This is Maybe Tomorrow. I'm Bria. And I'm Caroline. We're two friends having an unfiltered conversation about our own personal journeys with anxiety. And inviting you to help us break down the stigmas by celebrating this very human experience. Our highs, our lows, our quirks, and everything in between. (laughs) Okay. Take three. (laughs) Here we go. Here we go. Episode four. Oh, God. We launched it. Like, we put it out there. I know. It's our fourth episode, but we have no idea how to fucking set up our mics. Like, you would think that that would be the easiest part. It's really not. It's so confusing. And it's really embarrassing. Like, Nate looks at me and he's like, you're a software girl, not a hardware girl. And you're like, cool. I'm like, don't you have something you could be doing right now? Yeah. yeah. But can you please help me set up my mic first? (laughs) Before you go do that. Yeah, I mean, I ran upstairs. We're always 20 minutes late. (laughs) You know what? As long as my sound doesn't sound like I'm like talking in a, taking a call in like a porta potty. Gargling balls. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's just like echoey. I don't know. It sounded like I was in a dungeon, gargling balls. (laughs) Your your setup's great. I think you sound great. Cool. Hopefully right. we're good from here on out. <laughs> um, so Bria, I guess like we are recording for the first time since we publicly launched maybe tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, and as in publicly launching, we just basically went on Instagram and told everybody that we know that, Hey, this is a thing we're doing. Yeah. How do you feel after sort of making it public? So after the initial anxiety of publishing or reposting the story on my Instagram and then being like oh shit who do I actually have to hide this from (laughs) like i.e ex-boyfriend that is mentioned in episode one like maybe don't want to put that that in there but yeah (laughs) maybe he should listen to it for some self-awareness around what anxiety is Um, but like after I got over that hump, the amount of like positive responses was overwhelming. Um, there are so many people who have been super excited about it. Three years ago, I did decide to sort of like come out, if you will, about my anxiety, um, which you said that you have never I'm more curious for you how it felt to like come out and say like, I am anxiety woman. (laughs) (laughs) Hear me roar. (laughs) Hear me roar. (laughs) Um, It was simultaneously weird and freeing. There was this element of, oh my gosh, I get to actually show people who I actually am. And that might explain, you know, a little bit about myself that a lot of people have maybe been wondering about. And um, especially when we talk about wanting to make friends and you just can't get close to some people like off sometimes when you have a little piece of information like that you're like oh okay you people are a little bit more empathetic um so yeah it was weird in the way that I felt very naked I've never been so vulnerable or that public about my private life on social media um social media has always been something that I've only used to basically look at pictures of puppies me too food 
Me too. And like vacations that I want to take. Yep. It was never anything beyond that or just catching up with friends. Um, so one of the more unexpected results from announcing this uh, was really just talking more about how I can connect with other people. Like it was just mm-hmm. such a weird way to like connect with people, it, the same people that you see all the time, but all of a sudden you're the type of conversations that you're having are so different. You know, all of a sudden that you, that wall between the two of you were, was like broken down so they can now say, Hey, like I had no idea you had anxiety. I do too. And so you learn something else about somebody else. I, I looked at it this from such a singular lens of like, I'm sharing something about myself, but in return, I didn't expect to learn so much about other people. Does and it that like was... deepen your conversations? Oh yeah, totally. Totally. Like I was just at like a baby shower this past weekend and just had really great conversations that was beyond just your normal small talk. It was the same people that I would see uh, with the same group of friends, but we never had that type of conversation. So uh, you, it started to humanize those relationships a little bit more that you would normally take for granted as just surface level or just being acquaintances. So um, that was a really interesting sort of like byproduct of that. I, I think after I shared everything that I wanted to share and started talking a little bit more publicly about this project, it was interesting to hear a lot of the positive feedback from that. I wasn't, I wasn't really anticipating that either. You yeah. know, it's, it felt very supportive and warm and very like motivating to like keep doing this. The weird thing is I did find myself having to explain all the things that were less than perfect. Yeah. And that's something that I need to work on. You know, um, I have a hard time taking compliments just as they come out. It's always like comes with some type of like caveat. justification or expl- yeah, or caveat. So when someone says, hey, that's so cool that you launched this project. It's yeah, well, and then X, Y, and Z. Well, so. People can listen to the perfectionism struggles in episode three, and then maybe they'll, they'll get it. Yeah. So here we are episode four. And I think this is a pretty special episode because we're talking about something that goes beyond just, I think it's a little bit more real and it's Mm -hmm. a side of anxiety and like mental health that continues to lurk in the, like in the shadows. And we're all still trying to figure out how to talk about it. Today, we're going to just sort of talk about the wonderful and confusing world of anti-anxiety medication or antidepressants, as they're more popularly referred to as. But when you brought up that this is a topic that is so important to you and just being able to talk about it, I had all types of feelings just starting to bubble up from you know, my own personal experiences to uh, seeing other people growing up on them, mm-hmm. um, to just seeing how it's marketed, being a marketer by profession. It's, it's just such an interesting world to look at how big pharma continues to market these types of drugs and how these drugs have also evolved with yeah. society and like the stigmas that have followed. So, yeah, I feel like for me, it, well, first and foremost, I'm not going to pretend to be an expert, number one. And number two, I think that one of the beauties of having this forum is to talk about 
the pros and cons of it. Like what are the real things about being on medication or not taking medication and just naming first and foremost that it is a very personal and often debilitating decision to decide whether or not you want to go into the realm of being, you know, medicated. And, you know, I struggle with what you mentioned too, that it is a big pharma sort of buy-in thing and the question and around our doctors over prescribing this, these types of medications. And from a statistic that was pulled, a 2019 report from Brand Essence Research Company, the antidepressant drugs market was valued at $13.69 billion in 2018. And that in and of itself is kind of scary. I mean, number one, we know that there are so many people out there that struggle with depression and anxiety, but it does bring up the question on are doctors just pushing pills and are people being too quickly prescribed? And I don't know the answer to that question. (laughs) I don't know either, but I definitely have thoughts, you know, just thinking about the first time I was ever prescribed any type of medication, it literally was like a 15 minute office visit to a new brand new doctor who has had who I've had no prior visits to. And they basically had me fill out a quiz or like a, a survey or I like a, what am I trying to quiz. say? Yeah. It's just, it basically just like kind of, you're supposed to like measure different, your symptoms, or if you're experiencing certain types of symptoms and they basically count it up. It's basically what 17 magazine did <laughs> to tell you like, does your crush like you back and then you basically have to like fill it out and it's the most archaic method of figuring out a how many a's do you choose how many b's i mean for me they prescribed lorazepam i was 20 years old and i honestly didn't know that that was the generic name for ativan which is aka xanax yeah basically it's in the benzodiazepine group of drugs And at the time I didn't know what they were. So I was like, oh, it's this medication. I'll take it. It'll make me feel better. So then I can go to class and Mm -hmm. I can finally fucking graduate. Um, I didn't realize that this fell into a family of drugs that we refer to as the chill pills. Yeah. So not entirely sure. There's a literal chill pill. Yeah. (laughs) How they thought that would help me get through class. I mean, it didn't, you know, um, so what just thinking they, back, what was your, um, physical reaction to those? Because of the time, the times, I mean, I have a similar experience, but the times that I've taken lor- lorazepam, yeah. Um, it's been basically like put me to sleep. Yeah. The, yeah. They're designed to like basically numb you out. It's not as strong as like a Xanax or Valium, but, um, and the dosage I was taking certainly wasn't near that it was supposed to be designed so that I was still able to function and get through my day mm-hmm. and still you know interact and be social go to my job but the hardest part was just trying to still figure out why I was taking it right because I it wasn't until I started manifesting physical symptoms mm-hmm. of anxiety 
And so this entire time, I thought those were targeting, you know, the headaches, the dizziness, the vertigo. I didn't realize, like nobody ever explained to me when they prescribed this medication that, hey, has anybody talked to you about anxiety? Here's what we know. Here's what, you know, here's what you should, things that you should be thinking about. Here's what this medication will do for you. I, I never had that type of discussion. It was a quick like prescription and they sent me on my way. Yep. Um, it wasn't until we started talking about this podcast when I started really digging into what was it that I was taking? Like, I didn't really know. I knew like the generic name of it and I knew that it was an anti-anxiety med um, that I started sort of doing some Googling just to see like side effects to learn a little bit more about what they were that it was a benzodiazepine and that those are, those are really like hard to really function. I mean, if you think about the, I think the stereotype is like the people who like sort of pass out, I never got to that level, but it was still intense enough for me to not be able to function and feel and interact with people in like the everyday world. Like I normally would have if I weren't on it. So it was a weird, it was a really, really weird experience overall. Am I wrong in this that those should really only be prescribed to you for handling like a panic attack, not something that you should be taking on a daily basis? I don't think so. Well, they told me to take it a couple times a week. They didn't, okay. they, they never said, they never said daily, but they are highly addictive too. Yeah. Um, a lot of those drugs are that are in that class. And so, um, I definitely got a couple scripts of them and it wasn't, but I didn't, nobody ever told me the side effects. They didn't tell me that these are highly addictive. So a lot of that stuff didn't come out until just recently when I started doing my own research. Yeah. So it's yeah, crazy. but it wasn't something that I was on for a long time. I don't know. What about you? Well, how long were you on it? Did you like finish your prescription and then just decide not to refill it? Or were you just kind of like, I don't enjoy this and I'm going to stop. Um, I had it refilled a couple of times and then I stopped. And then a year later I saw a different doctor, um, because I had symptoms that got pretty bad. Yeah. Um, not as bad as, you know, to the point where I was experiencing vertigo and like severe panic attacks, but it was still bad enough that it was hard for me to like function in the day to day. Um, so I got put back on it. Uh, once again, it was a couple scripts and then stop, but there was no like long-term treatment plan. Um, nobody ever talked to me about like SSRIs really. And then from there, um, you know, just seeing multiple specialists, they also thought, oh, maybe she also has ADHD, which I've never been tested for ADHD as a child, but that doesn't mean anything. Yeah. So I mean, my story is pretty similar to yours, quite honestly, because the first time I ever talked to a doctor about my anxiety was when I still lived in Arizona. And I um, remember going to just my family doctor. So it had been a doctor that I had at least seen often enough that he knew a little bit about me, but we had never discussed anxiety in general. And so that was like the first time that I actually started to to share my physical manifestations of anxiety and it was similarly a very short conversation and a here's lorazepam still similarly small dosages 
But I do think if my memory serves me that they asked not the question on like trying to qualify, should you be taking like a Xanax or lorazepam or whatever that is, or should you be taking something to like, you know, handle this on a regular basis? Because, you know, maybe there's a a more chemical thing associated to it because I did suffer from or I do suffer from generalized anxiety. So it's not necessarily panic attacks, though I have had them. It's just like a constant state of fight or flight. The way that he positioned it to me was, do you want something for just when you're sort of feeling like this or do you want to be taking something every day? And I was like, well, of course, I'm not going to fucking say, yeah, put me on drugs every day. That sounds great. Like nobody, I don't think anybody wants to sign up for being sort of dependent on something. So, of course, my response was, no, I'll just get something for like when I'm feeling like I need it. And what had ended up happening, and this has happened to me with a lot of prescription medications. I am like a bit of a hippie in that sense. I get it from my dad or I just don't like taking medicine, period. Like I'll take every other type of natural way of doing things before I go into the medication side. Like if I have a headache or something like that, And it's because I'm hungover. I'm like, no, bitch, you get to serve that you drank too much last night. (laughs) Like you don't you don't get to take Advil. So I've always been sort of anti any of those things. And um, so when I had the lorazepam, I did ultimately get through that prescription, but never refilled it. And I tried not to take it like I, I almost only used it if I needed to fall asleep. But I told the story in a previous episode, too, about how, like, after I went through that prescription when I was in New York, the doctor that I went to see to try to revisit getting on something, and he's the asshole that said, you don't seem like you have anxiety compared to the rest of the people that I see. And so, honestly, like, I felt defeated because I was just like, I don't, I don't know what to do. Like, I tried other measures like yoga and meditation and trying to figure out in general, like what are the options that I have in front of me? And so when we, I feel like it's always something's going to get better when X happens. And so I felt like New York was my ultimate stressor. And it is when I was the most stressed in my life. I had work stress you know, you're constantly fighting crowds, like, so there's the social anxiety of it. So in my mind, it was once I move out of New York, I'll feel better. And when I moved to Portland, the quality of life is so much better that I'm just going to feel better. And no shocker that that didn't fix me. So it was probably a year After we moved here, I decided to go back to a different doctor. This was after I had found a therapist as well. So um, I went to a cognitive behavior therapist for a couple of months before that. She wasn't a psychiatrist, so she couldn't prescribe anything. But we did talk about whether or not, you know, I had explored that avenue. And so I had, like, thought about that a few times. And that wasn't the one thing that pushed me towards going back to seeing anybody. 
But I finally made an appointment with, again, kind of just like a generic doctor. But they did have a a more lengthy conversation with me, at least. So it was like a 30-minute appointment to really talk about, like, what are you feeling? What measures are you taking right now? Again, like, I took the quiz. Her response was, well, you know, based on what you're telling me and what your responses were, you have severe generalized anxiety. And I was like, oh, okay, like now I can put a name to it, but fuck. <laughs> and so like as a result of that, it Did they felt do like... Did they type of education? Yeah, so for me, I felt like they did a much better job of explaining what the difference was between like olorazepam and an SSRI. She did give me a much better understanding of like what I was getting myself into basically or like what it would mean to be on something on a daily basis what I don't feel like is well explained and it's similar to what you were saying with lorazepam is what happens if you want to go off of it and the benzos are addictive SSRIs as I'm experiencing right now trying to come off of them you need to be very strategic about it I have been working with my doctor on actually getting onto a, a different prescription, and you get withdrawals from oh, I bet from coming off of it. So, like, what ended up what happening you- from that particular appointment is I was prescribed Zoloft. The reason why I chose to go on Zoloft, like, she gave me the options. And one of the reasons why she suggested I go on Zoloft is because I was talking about family history. And so I have family who's taken Zoloft and it seemed to work well for them. And so she felt like that was a good fit for me. And so we started with like a certain dosage that she like she wanted to start me on a low but appropriate dosage, which, again, I appreciated. And I don't think that all doctors sort of give you that option because she would say, here's the range of how high up you can go and I want to start you low. So I actually felt like for the first time I had a doctor that's wanted to talk a little bit more about it. But all of that being said, I do feel like there's still a lot of information sharing that's lacking. Yeah, I totally agree. It's just, it's interesting to see how, we classify these different types of drugs and how they've evolved with how society has evolved. I mean, before benzos, there were barbiturates and those are extremely dangerous to be like drinking with drinking on. And a lot of people were doing that and they were causing lots of deaths. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I didn't even know that of those. Um, Yeah. They were like, I think in the fifties, maybe Mm -hmm. Um, they were like kind of like the first kinds. And then, uh, really, it wasn't until like the benzos that came out, like the Valium, the Xanaxes, the Ativans, um, that really, I think, started to put a lot of this anxiety medication and antidepressant mes- medication on the map. Yeah. Um, thinking through like the different classes. So we have your benzodiazepines, which are, you know, really those drugs like Valium, Xanax, Ativan that are designed to really like numb you out. We have the SSRIs that you mentioned which is an acronym for, I believe it's selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. Oh, thank um, you. Yeah. Those, those are most commonly known as, you know, Lexapro, your Prozacs, your Zolofs, Selexa, among many others. Um, sorry, that was my Alexa that like 
through it came in. So you're going to have to like said cut this. Alexa. Alexa. Oh. That bitch is listening to everything. Name, <laughs> I know. Seriously. Yeah, I guess uh, what we were talking about, your SSRIs. I think they're, those are today like the most common and they, they, they're also touted as the safest type of medication mm-hmm. um, to treat both anxiety and depression that specifically target um, building up your serotonin levels between your um, neurons. So then when messages are sent, they're sent with like the happy face emojis. Yep. <laughs> A ton of happy face emojis. <laughs> Just being rocketed from neuron to neuron. So that's like the scientific term for sure. There's so much brain understanding that I feel like you need to have in order to understand how all of these work. I'm not oh, going to yeah, pretend to sure. know. No, I'm not either. Um, and then there's NDRIs, which I had no idea um, until you started talking about them. Yeah. So they NDRIs. And honestly, I don't even, I wish I knew more about this because this is what I'm starting to take. It's a, it stands for norepinephrine dopamine reuptake inhibitor. It's similarly uh, treated specifically, I think more specifically actually for depression. And what's an interesting about these is that for somebody who only has depression, it can cause anxiety in someone. Um, but it actually has also been seen to be able to treat anxiety as well. Oh, okay. So that's new. I mean, with all of these, I feel like there's not enough research. Yeah. People do your research, ask your questions. I really wish there were, there was more education around this. Yeah. Uh, thinking back about being the 20 year old that really was super confused as to why she was experiencing these physical symptoms, but also just having panic attacks but not knowing that they were panic attacks just freaking out like you really thought that something was inherently wrong with you or that you know I I to be honest I honestly just thought I just wasn't smart enough for school and thinking back now that's not that wasn't the case at all I just I lacked a lot of the tools that I needed to effectively manage my anxiety like first of all I needed to know that it was called anxiety And then secondly, if somebody was going to put me on medication, I really wish I had a little bit more education at 20 years old. I'm barely an adult. Yeah. You know, I'm still trying to navigate a social life as a 20 year old in college, going to school, having a job, having my own set of responsibilities while still trying to navigate like my own mental health. That's, that's a lot. Did they tell you what that, like what lorazepam was treating? Uh, they said it it was treating anxiety, okay. but it was just more phrased in the way of, oh, you have feelings of anxiousness. This will help. So it felt like it was a, I, if I experience this, I take this, it takes care of it. Mm-hmm. I never really understood it as a chronic thing yeah. as a part of myself. And so much like if you have a headache or a, a soreness, you take aspirin or yeah. Tylenol. That's what I sort of likened it to, which is very different. But that's the problem that nobody was really talking about at that time. Like when you were 20, and I feel like when I was younger too, it was you had anxiety about something or you were anxious about something, but nobody actually talked about having like generalized anxiety, like not needing a reason to be anxious. 
that's probably one of the reasons too why like pills are just being thrown at people because nobody's actually trying to dig into what at the core you are experiencing totally and yeah if we get past all the chemical reactions but just talk about like how as people we experience medication and without medication like what that what our realities look like Mm -hmm. um there is no shame around saying that I need medication to get through the day or to feel more like myself. Um, today, there's such a large stigma around antidepressants, mood stabilizers, any type of any type of drugs that would help you in any way, shape, or form, whether it's for anxiety, depression, whatever. Yeah. Um, because society has painted this image of the crazy person that you have to take these drugs in order to be quote unquote normal. Uh, We never talk about it the other way that there is for many people that is a chemical necessity Mm -hmm. in order for them to live the life that they want to live, to be able to function in their professions, in their relationships, in the way that they want to. Um, Because oftentimes it can be very like prohibitive. Like they wouldn't be able to move past a lot of that like when you're really experiencing an anxiety attack or in a massive state of depression it's really hard to just pull yourself out of that Mm -hmm. and say okay I'm gonna stop doing this and move on to this next task call this friend go out make it to that party so I think that that's also an interesting thing to think about as we have this discussion is talking about the current state of how we perceive people with medication and that take it. I think it's still something that carries a lot of shame for some people, Mm -hmm. Um, especially now with like this hashtag wellness movement. We oftentimes also say that you can just drink a green juice, you know, take some vitamins, don't drink as much. And that should be equivalent And while I do agree that like you can make a lot of healthy lifestyle choices, I think that the rhetoric around you can saying that you can completely replace it, it almost seems dangerous without the science there to back it up. Now, I don't know, again, like we are not experts in this field and I cannot recommend one way or another. Um, I think where Bria, you are experiencing your own journey of kind of figuring out the right medication, your own path mm-hmm. of like, how do I integrate this into my life and like the lifestyle that I want? I have had weird, I have had my own experiences with medication and I got myself also to a place where I was like, okay, I'm going to make some pretty severe lifestyle choices. Like I don't, I don't really drink anymore. Um, because I know that anxiety is a large, um, trigger for me. Yeah and my anxiety. Um, there's also, you know, just like, I'm a, like, I had to really build a routine around that. I mean, for you, you kind of talked about the moment that you realized that you might need to see somebody. Yeah. What was that catalytic moment that made this decision easier for you? Yeah, I think it was a combination of things like one feeling like I had already tried what felt like would have been the normal way to go about it like going to yoga frequently or trying to be a little bit healthier or going to therapy. And then, yeah, really realizing a year after living in Portland, like this isn't the solution. And 
I don't know at that point, like I didn't know at that point what else I needed to do. Now, granted, I did not give up drinking. (laughs) And so perhaps actually, and that's something that I'm working through right now. But really, I think it was just the realization that no one thing was going to get me better. And it could have been a combination of other things that I should have tried as well. And maybe I just didn't hit the right balance. I mean, I'm, I still struggle with the fact that I'm still on medication, right? Um, I felt like nothing really made that decision easy per se, other than, well, I feel like I've, I'm out of options. And because I do feel like in that moment, I had a doctor that shared a little bit more information with me that helped me make that decision. Yeah, that's interesting. Like, even if you feel like you're in a place of helplessness, and that you had, this was your last resort, at least you can move into it, knowing that you had the information available to you. I think something that I didn't experience, and I had to sort of seek out those answers on my own was, is this the right decision? Was that the right decision for me? And, you know, I can't go back and change anything that any of the decisions that I made, but it would have been nice to have somebody who could just like sit me down, tell me why this type of medication is going to be recommended to me. You know, what are the side effects? What should I be also supplementing that with? And it sounds like you had somebody who was super supportive and gave you the information that you needed so that you can think about it from a long-term perspective. Well, I will say too, it's also really helpful to know other people that are on medication um, just to really have, and this that's what I'm hoping that this episode will share a little bit too, is to understand the like very human side of what it is to take them. What are some of the side effects? What are the things that you should consider as a result of it? Um, and I've had a lot of those conversations with people and again, not swaying in any other, any way. But every follow-up I've had with my doctor that I feel like helps and what happened during my first appointment too was, you know, are you exercising? Are you going to therapy? You should, or like if you're not already, limit your drinking. Like some of that was reiterated to me, right? Like I know a lot of these things already, but it almost made me feel more like they weren't just trying to throw meds at me. There were other things that they said, you know, in order for this to be most effective, you need to do these other things too. And it's true. Similar to me moving to Portland, like just taking medication also wasn't the only solution. I'll say that it's made me feel actually like I am able to make space outside of my anxiety to actually be myself, like more myself than I was before I took the medication, which is also a thing that you hear quite a bit from people taking said chill pills or any other medication is that they worry that they're going to lose themselves. And I think it depends on like dosage and a lot of things related to that. Like, are you being prescribed because of depression or because of anxiety? And obviously your brain is going to react differently depending on what your specific situation is. But for me, it was a relief in being able to feel like all of the irritability and a lot of the things that I was experiencing 
physically in terms of chest pains and things like that allowed me to like be more of myself than this constantly on edge and quite frankly angry person (laughs) that's interesting for you to like point out you know the differences because I was going to ask you maybe this isn't the right way to phrase it but what are your like since going on medication have you been able to pick out that thing about yourself that you absolutely love because you're able to experience it more or like so I'll share like where I am in my journey right now is that I've actually um I was on Zoloft for a few years and then I went to my doctor more recently because there are side effects that I'm just not a huge fan of. And um, one of them being, which is a very real thing, you have a low libido and it's not Mm -hmm. fun. Um, So I shared with my doctor, like knowing that that was a side effect of it, really that's the only side effect that bothered me. And so I talked to my doctor about it and, you know, we again had like a decently lengthy conversation around well here are your options they made me feel normal like that's a very common thing to experience but you know we can figure out an alternative and so we talked about the NDRIs so Welbutrin is what I'm starting to take instead which doesn't have those types of side effects and again it has its own level of side effects like if people suffer from seizures or anything like that, they don't recommend that you take that. So what I'm going through right now is weaning myself off of Zoloft and um, onto Welbutrin. I'm going through very real withdrawals. Um, So I've actually been weaning myself off of it for the last month. I immediately noticed differences. Some of the withdrawal symptoms that I've been dealing with are like kind of foggy brain um, and honestly just all of my previous symptoms that it was treating immediately came back. I have chest pains. I noticed that my easy to get irritable um, like little things I just had no patience for and it just really came back to me as to why I really struggled before I went on to medication. I feel like, though, to get to your question on my very lengthy answer, is that really what medication allowed me to do or experience is feeling like my actual self and not feeling like I was constantly on edge about things and I had a new sense of patience and appreciation. I was able to live more in the present still again this isn't like the magic pill like I still very much suffer from anxiety on a regular basis um, with thoughts of worry and things like that but it subsided it for sure yeah I mean there's never going to be like any single like silver bullet right but as you've experienced you know being on this for a few years now and especially a few years since being more public about it. Do you ever feel like you've ever been judged in this any way when you disclose this to anybody? I don't know if anyone's had the balls to, to judge <laughs> to judge it if I've shared it. 
Um, I do from society generally feel that. And I do still in the back of my head feel like something's wrong with you that you need to be taking this all the time. But I have started to look at it and it was actually in a conversation with my dad where he was saying, you know, you have to look at it almost like you're taking a vitamin, like you're doing something for yourself that is helping you in similar ways that something, anything that you take on a daily basis is. It's like you're, you know, probiotic. Like (laughs) similarly, it is a, like the way that I'm treating the rest of my body, I need to also take care of my brain. Um, (laughs) So I don't know that anybody's judged me or I've felt that directly. I do think that there are a lot of people like when I came out and shared that I was on medication that also said they were debating whether or not they wanted to go on medication. And so if anything at all, I think it actually made people feel more like they weren't alone in that. Yeah. It's such a, it's also such a personal journey too. Yeah. Cause I feel like there are different moments that push us to make certain decisions and going on medication is a very serious decision. And that's also a very personal one. I guess just thinking more generally, what advice would you have for anybody considering medication for the first time? I mean, we talked about a couple of things like making sure that they're doing their own research, asking questions, but you only ask the questions if you know what kind of questions to ask, right? So, yeah, I mean, I think to your point, it's doing the research. Um, I think it's also trying to figure out what routine works for you otherwise. And if there are non-medication outlets that you can take. So maybe it is like you've found a good combination of a routine and things that you've um, chosen to get like sort of push out of your life that, you know, weren't serving you or like exacerbated your anxiety. So it is trying to try out other options before that, you know, therapy, yoga, meditation, whatever those things are. But I think it's also knowing that you don't need to feel defeated if those things don't work for you and you do still need to talk to a doctor about it. And I mean, even some of the things that I shared related to the research is, you know, just being aware that if you're trying to go off of it, like, there's withdrawal. Those types of things aren't shared with you by the doctor. Um, There are real side effects. I actually read an article while we were leading up to this episode on how there isn't a ton of research on long-term use of antidepressants and anti-anxiety medication, which is actually really interesting when you think about it. People really just started regularly getting prescribed these as like a long-term option not that long ago like it is becoming a bit more normalized but there hasn't been a ton of research on like what it looks like to be on it long term but the way that I look at it right now is I might have to be on medication for the rest of my life I've tried to sort of come off of them clearly I'm (laughs) experiencing some of that now And so I think it's also like being comfortable with yourself. And like I said, if if medication ends up being the route that somebody chooses to take, 
you know it's obviously not going to be the silver bullet, but also know that you're doing it for yourself and that it's okay and it's normal. You had mentioned that you also acknowledge that this is something that you may have to be on for the rest of your life. And it sounds like you've also made some lifestyle changes as well. Today, what do you supplement medication with? Well, a lot of it for me is exercise related lately. I feel like that's been just a really good outlet for me. Um, And I like to switch it up. So I do love yoga, but I also like, I need the ability to also get out more than just yoga. I do also think that having a routine in place is definitely helpful. Um, So we recently in November adopted a golden retriever. He's very cute. His name is Hank. You heard him in episode one. Uh, but he has a fuckload of energy and that dude needs to be walked twice a day. And there's really something to be said for like getting outside, no matter what the weather for 20 minutes every day, sometimes in the morning, sometimes at night, sometimes both. But that has really helped. And I do think that what you were mentioning earlier, like I'm starting to have to make some serious lifestyle changes I want to blame it on the fact that I'm 32 and shit's starting to sag (laughs) (laughs) and uh, I just need to. But like I was eating vegan for a couple days a week and felt like amazing, like from an anxiety perspective, from an energy perspective. I started really actually, to your point, reducing the amount of alcohol intake and I make it sound like... (laughs) I have problem. <laughs> no, not at all. That is not the point. But um, yeah, I have really reduced my intake because when you do go on medication, it is like it does interact with alcohol. You're really not supposed to drink on it. But you know, I, wine, I need it sometimes. To be honest with you, I'm actually shopping for a new therapist. So I haven't been going to therapy more recently, but it is important for me um, because you do definitely need to talk about things and and understand and come up with the tools that you can implement on a regular basis. And I feel like when I was in therapy for quite a while, I got quite a few tools that really helped me not only understand generalized anxiety, but understand myself a little bit more and ways that I could address it. Honestly, I'm so glad we're having this conversation now, especially like what a timely conversation to be having as you experience like transitioning and all the different side effects. I, I think this really gets down to the crux of why we started maybe tomorrow Yeah, is to really just start to have a conversation beyond what we see like shared on the media, you know, and publicized and marketed to us. It's just how do people who experience anxiety feel about some of these like hot button topics like medication. I know it's so easy for us to label all medication as bad. And trust me, like big pharma is pretty fucked up, but (laughs) there are certain things that we need also need to like think more critically about is just, there's a, also a chemical necessity, as I mentioned earlier to like having this medication and being able to normalize that will also help increase access for other people where some people aren't at the same point as where you and I are where they feel comfortable talking about this more openly or being a little bit more open to trying new options in treating their anxiety. 
thanks for sharing. Well, thank you for supporting me in this journey. I literally was Um, texting you this morning about like, I'm not going to lie. I'm going through some some withdrawals right now. Check in on me in a couple weeks and and we'll see. I'm going to be checking on you all the time now. (laughs) Bria and I are so grateful for the opportunity to connect with you. And we hope you continue to tune in to our conversations covering various topics surrounding anxiety. While we hope this podcast provides a sense of comfort, we would be remiss if we didn't mention that we are not doctors or any licensed professionals and cannot recommend treatment or give individualized advice. If you or someone you know is struggling with anxiety or depression, please contact a mental health professional. you added the NDRIs, which I don't know anything about. So then neither do I really, but that's what apparently I'm taking now. (laughs) Well, then here we go. We're going (laughs) to...